Well, hey, New City, my name is Nate Bush, going to be the lead pastor here. Glad you are here today, whether it be in person or online. All right, so Living Advent, a couple things. I know you've already heard it, but I want to make sure you really hear it, okay? So we put together a to-do list because who needs another decision to make right now uh, during this time of year just to prepare yourself for the Christmas Eve gathering. So here's some things you can do. One is you can pre-register and you really need to do that by tomorrow. Uh, so I know that most of you New Mexicans have been waiting for like, tell me the deadline because I want to get as close to that as possible. All right, so I'm letting you know the deadline is, is tomorrow and you're pretty close to it. So go ahead and pre-register so that you can get that gift in the mail. Well, the reason why I want you to choose a gathering, it's not like, you know, you can fill up the internet gathering, so there's not like, you know, an occupancy issue there at 4, 6, 8, or 10, all right? But here's the deal. If you know what gathering you're going to go to, you can invite a friend to that one. And so uh, one of the things we've uh, allowed you to do is when you register, you can receive a gift. We can also receive two gifts. You can ask for a second gift to be given to a friend, a neighbor, a family member. I got uh, two gifts to be, for one to be given to my neighbor, uh, inviting to Christmas Eve gathering. Hopefully you can get another gift and invite your neighbor to a Christmas Eve gathering. That's what we hope that you'll be able to do so you can receive a couple gifts, uh, invite a friend, all right? That's that. Also, today we're talking about living joy, all right? So I'm going to give you uh, some joyful news, all right? This is really good stuff. So hold on. Uh, if you're new to New City, in March, I know that feels like, in March of 2020, feels like a decade ago or more, all right? But it was this year, okay? In March of 2020, we started an initiative called Be Good News. And the kind of big idea here is we wanted people to be good news for people in the city with their lives. And so we gave out these little books that said, here's how you can be good news for people in the city with your lives. And it described everything about the Be Good News initiative, a two-year initiative. Now, if you're new to New City and you want to catch up really quick on what Be Good News is, you can go to the website begoodnews.church. And you can find out all the information you know about what Be Good News is. But for those of you who are catching up right now, uh, Lifetime, I'll tell you that one of, the th one of the big ideas for us at New City is this. We believe the city is more open to hearing the good news from a good news people. And we feel like God's you know, called us to share the good news of Jesus with as many people as we can. And that people want to hear that good news message. And they're much more open to hear that good news message from a good news people. Here's something else we always also believe. That we believe there is a good news solution to the bad news stories in our city. Uh, in other words, a gospel-informed solution to all the things that are bad going on in our lives and in our city and around us. And a key verse of Scripture we kind of go back to occasionally here at New City is Isaiah 52, verse 7. Now listen to this beautiful passage. Paul quotes from it uh, in Romans when he's teaching about salvation. He says, How beautiful uh, upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. In other words, Christian people who are living as if God rules and reigns are putting on display and publishing the story of His peace, how He's turning the wrongs to rights, uh, how He's fixing what's broken in the world. This is a good news story of God's ultimate salvation, so we live in light of His reign and rule. And so we started this Be Good Initiative. We said, hey, we want to be for people in the city with our lives. We're going to be just very specific about this. We're going to be four people in the city with our lives. Now, during COVID, we picked up people who are from all over the place and, and some people who don't even live in Albuquerque, but we, we are very much in tune with the needs of our city and with the needs of our neighborhoods and the needs of our community, and we want to continue that sort of, you know, passion. And so in each one of those categories represented something to do with our initiative. 
Now, it, our initiative was a lot of things, but it, or is a lot of things, but one of the things it is is a, uh, is, is a budget to do things. Like we set a budget to get some things done. Uh, a two-year ministry budget, and I, I'm not going to give a full update in January, but I want to let you know right now that we are on track with the Be Good News budget. Believe it or not, during COVID, we are on track. We're, we're hitting pace with everything we need to hit pace with to make our budget happen, which is a really good news story. And our budget was divided into a couple categories. One was for people. Uh, specifically, at New City, we believe something specific about the people that we've called to serve. Now, we've said this for a, a number of years, that we believe that we can make the greatest impact and cause the greatest ripple effect uh, by strategically caring for children in our city. And, and so we, we deeply love children. And you don't have to burn a lot of calories to think about who's suffering most during COVID right now. Middle school students, high school students, elementary school students are among those who are suffering the most. And so we are spending a lot of time and energy going, how do we imagine ways in which we can serve uh, children and students better. Uh, we had a category that was in the city, and this was about our unique presence in the city. And so over the summer, what we did uh, together as a church is we purchased this building that you see right here. It's just down the street from us on San Mateo. That building we own, a North Church now meets in it. They are our tenant, and they are leasing it from us until the end of April, at which time we will begin the process of taking occupancy. But we are dreaming of how we can renovate the space. It might take a few weeks to get some renovations done, but we are working uh, to make sure that space is as hospitable as possible uh, to everyone in our community because we want to not not just have a building that we meet in on Sundays, but a missional presence in our city every day of the week. And we're imagining right now how we can do those renovations, and we're meeting with architects and thinking about how we can uh, use that space in the best way possible. Another category was with our lives. And we were talking about how, how do we get engaged missionally? And one of the things we did was we said, you know what, we want to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We want to take the gospel to those who are unreached. So as a church, we planted a church in Meguk, Myanmar, and I've got an exciting update about that in January coming, and I'm really looking forward to giving that to you, but you know, we, we just, we, it's been so good to take the gospel to places that, to unreached people in our world. But additionally, during the pandemic, we invested money in across nations. Uh, we helped them get their radio station up and running during the height of the pandemic because uh, they were organizing people to receive uh, goods, and they couldn't organize people to receive goods because someone had stolen the equipment for their uh, broadcast station. So we were able to buy the equipment necessary to get their broadcast station up and going so they could broadcast across the Navajo Nation so people could coordinate to get food and goods when they were in need. We've invested significant dollars of time and energy in New Mexico Dream Center and Shine School Partnership and Ciudad de Gracia, a church plant that we planted a few years ago, just down the street here on San Mateo. But I want to tell you that we do a lot of things that are kind of in this category of with our lives, like our gift mart. Uh, this, is a, this is something we've done for a number of years, providing dignity to people, allowing them to buy gifts at an affordable price for their kids, and doing this in such a way that we, we then turn that money that we receive from selling these gifts at a drastically reduced price to Shine School Partnership or a ministry partner in the city that we uh, love and serve. And so this year, the one thing that we did different is we said, hey, we really want to emphasize small businesses. Because small businesses are struggling. You know, Target's going to be okay. I'm fairly certain that Amazon's doing all right. <laughs> you know? And so we wanted to highlight a couple of our, our local small businesses that were struggling. And so we highlighted Color Toys. Now, 
uh, you don't always get to experience this, and so I want to take you backstage a little bit, or I want to take you like to our staff meeting. We have a channel on our, we, we use Slack to communicate. We have a channel in our, in our Slack that just says celebrations, and all throughout the week we get celebrations uh, laid in there. People have stories of, to tell of what God's doing in the context of our community, and I want to tell you one celebration Lynette put in our channel today, and this is, or this week, and this was so good. She said, good news and a reminder that generosity is contagious. The owner of Color Wheel Toys brought a load of toys to us last night. She's impressed with our church, about 100 toys she brought over. She even donated a few herself. We're going to list a few other local shops that have toys so that we don't completely overwhelm her small business. Can you believe that? I mean, so generous. The church was being so generous. We overwhelmed a small business with our generosity by buying toys. Man, praise God for that. Somebody praise God for that. Right? That's pretty amazing uh, stuff that's going on in our community. Now, we've said, like for a long time at New City, we are imperfect people being courageous, believing in the power of Jesus to make all things new. And we are imperfect for sure, uh, but we do believe that Jesus is at work and, and he's doing renewal things. And so we have this major you know, win in the category of in the city with purchasing a new facility, with this major win with, with, our, with our lives, with all the generosity we've been able to do in our city with all our ministry partners and, and, and planting churches uh, you know, uh, for unreached peoples. But it was that category four people that we really need to make some movement on. And since we're on track and all things be good news, uh, it made sense for us to make this very important next move. And I have a very exciting announcement for you, okay? We just hired Christian Schlenker. His first day is on December 16th as a full-time pastor here at New City. He will be taking over a number of areas of ministry. He will preach some for us at New City. He will oversee groups as a primary role and job, and so helping people to get into small groups and community groups uh, in our community, and he'll be overseeing our online gatherings. Uh, Christian's last day at Refuge Church will be uh, on the 15th. He's been a church planting resident there and has decided that church planting is not the right thing for them in their season right now. He was looking for a ministry opportunity in the city, and man, we are so excited to bring him on our team. Christian and Jocelyn are a beautiful couple. They love Jesus. Christian is finishing up his graduate degree. He's very sharp, gifted leader. Every, everybody he's ever worked with him has had nothing negative to say, only positive. We couldn't be more excited to bring Christian on our team. And so he'll be an additional full-time staff member, which means that because we, we had this sort of desire to care for teenagers and care for students and care for children, that Pastor Roger will now have 100% dedication on our student ministry, which could not be better for me because I've got middle school and high school student in student ministries. And for all those of you who have kids in student ministries, you know Pastor Roger's such a great influence and he loves our kids and I can't, I'm so excited. This frees up his bandwidth and time to hyper-focus there and it gives us another full-time staff person to help grow our groups. And you may not know this, but over the COVID experience, we have gained so many new people. We've had uh, starting points full of people all throughout the pandemic who are mostly meeting online right now, but are looking for places to connect and looking for groups to belong to. And we don't have spaces to put everybody who wants to be in a group. And so isn't this good news, by the way? Praise God. It's good news. I'm so excited about it. All right. So our, our Advent series is called Living Advent, because the Advent story is not just a story we, we hear or repeat to ourselves, it's a story we live. 
And we thought, wouldn't it be cool this year if we said, instead of just covering the, the, you know, the topics of hope, peace, joy, and love, we really said to the church, hey, let's, let's be challenged to live hope, to live peace, to live joy, to live love, to, to, to put that message on display for the world. And so I thought it would be good for us to begin with a good news story, uh, a, a story that brings a smile to our face. I think this next point you're going to find rings true. All right, so listen carefully to it. When we fully embrace our living hope, okay, and what's our hope? Well, Jesus lived the life that we could not live. He died the death that we should have died because of our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins. He was buried in the grave. He rose from the grave. He, he conquered sin and death. He ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand throne of God, and one day he's coming back and he's making everything new again. And we have a hope that every sad thing is one day going to become untrue because of Jesus. It's a living hope. It's a hope that's alive because Christ is alive. Death did not defeat him. He overcame death and sin itself. It's with this living hope. And when we we commit to the living hope message, and when we we commit to the living peace message, what we are committing to is that Jesus is, in fact, making peace, making things new, righting the wrongs, doing his restorative work. So when we fully embrace our living hope and commit to living peace, living with Jesus and making all things new, praying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, the city will experience living joy. Like when there is a group of people in the world living in light of their future hope, and they're living that message of peace in their everyday life, what is produced is joy. Proverbs 11.10 says so. When it goes well with the righteous... Now, the righteous in Proverbs, if you do a word search in Proverbs, the righteous are the people who lay down their lives for the good of others. The righteous are self-sacrificial. The righteous are, are seeking justice and the renewal work of God. So when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. When you look at the wicked, the book of Proverbs, they're always the ones who are self-seeking, who are self-centered, who are seeking their good above the good of others. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, the righteous of the book of Proverbs are by definition those who are willing to disadvantage themselves for the community, while the wicked are those who put their own economic, social, and personal needs ahead of the needs of the community. I'll just sort of make this statement to you pragmatically. It's kind of a pro tip for life, okay? If you aim at joy, you'll miss it. If you aim at joy, you'll miss it. But if you aim at Jesus and his kingdom, you'll get joy thrown in. In other words, if you start, if you live like the righteous, what you do, what you end up doing is producing joy. It's like what Jesus says. He says, pursue the kingdom and all these things will be given to you. Amy Sherman says, because the righteous view their prosperity not as a means of self-enrichment or self-aggrandizement, but rather as a vehicle for blessing others. Everyone benefits from their success. As the righteous prosper, they steward everything, their money, vocation, position, expertise, assets, resources, opportunities, education, relationships, social position for the common good, for the advancement of God's justice and shalom. I will say, by the way, not only is she right here, that if you are in any kind of work uh, where you are overseeing people or you are stewarding your influence in the world, you should read Kingdom Calling, a phenomenal book. Another way of saying what Amy Sherman said is this. Joy, now if, you're, if you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, you know this. If you walk in Jesus for a short time, you know this. Joy is experienced 
in the continual giving and receiving of undeserved grace. In fact, there's, for the Christian, there's no joy like receiving the undeserved grace of Jesus. <laughs> no joy like it. You mean all my sins are washed away? You mean I'm a recipient of your righteousness? You mean like I, I've been made new by you? Like, I mean, like seriously, like you're, I, I'm, the old life is gone, the new life is come. Like when you experience that joy, I mean, there's nothing like it, receiving his, his grace. But I can tell you that many Christians also can profess there's no joy quite like giving undeserved grace. There's no joy quite like giving to others what Christ has given to you. It's just, it's just a mind-blowing emotional experience to be able to give grace like Christ has given to you. Well, friends, we are not called just to hear the good news message. We are called to be a good news people. And going back to Isaiah 52, 7, just listen to it. How beautiful upon the mountains are those are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace. Listen, who brings good news of happiness. This is something you'll, you'll see to be true, that a truly good news people are a joy-producing people. Like a good news people who live the gospel, who live it with their everyday lives, who are, who are in the daily business of receiving unmerited grace, unmerited favor from God, undeserved grace from God, and also daily giving unmerited favor and, and undeserved grace to others in their life. Those are the people who are producing joy and experiencing joy in life. And so when it goes well with the righteous, when it goes well with those who seek justice, when it goes well with those people, the city rejoices. Now, I just want to sit there for a second with you and just ask, like, how's the city doing? <laughs> how's, how's the city, is, is the city rejoicing? Are, are, are the righteous, are, are, are those who have received God's grace, who are living a light of God's grace, are they having the impact on the city that's causing the city to rejoice? Because I read this passage as a calling. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. I see this as a calling to be, to be living so into the hope of God and the peacemaking power of God in the world that the city experiences the joy of God. You see, because Jesus is our living hope and our peace, we are like committing as a, a people, as a fellowship to live joy, to live into that message of joy. When Jesus comes into the world, this is how the message is presented. So in Luke chapter 2, the shepherds hear from the angels. Now our passage today in John talks about light, and I'm going to spend some time connecting dots for you between light and goodness and joy. So listen to Luke 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Do you see how the glory manifests itself by shining like a light? And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Boy, I want to hear that good news of great joy that's for everyone. What is it? Luke 2, 11. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And so when the news of joy comes, it comes with glory, and glory manifests itself in light. And light is a really important motif in Scripture. So when John, in John 1, is trying to communicate to us the nature of Christ, the nature of salvation, what kind of Savior has come to us, what does he say? In him was life, 
and the life was the light of men. You see, light is truth and goodness. Light is truth and goodness. Like This is how we use light, by the way, in our everyday vernacular. We know this to be true. This motif has worked its way into how we speak every day. For example, because of the vaccine, we've been saying, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm like, man, put that in my arm. I want the light at the end of the tunnel, man. I want it. All right, so there's light at the end of the tunnel. People are saying, there's a bright light during a dark time. This was a bright light. You are a bright light. This thing that happens, a bright light in the dark time. We say things like, you really light up the room. We're giving testimony to the fact that light represents truth and goodness. But darkness is uncertainty. And the reason why the time we're living in is so dark is because it's clouded by uncertainty. And people experience the moment we're in as darkness because darkness is uncertainty. You can't see anything. You don't know what's going on. You can't know what's going to happen. Matt Carter says, the gospel is the good news that you no longer have to wonder about in the darkness and despair of sin, but you can enjoy the light of righteousness through Jesus Christ. See, darkness is not knowing how it's going to turn out. When you're in darkness, you're just like wondering, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Man, this could go really bad, I don't know. And the uncertainty of darkness, man, that is anxiety-producing. Listen, friend, I don't know every detail in between now and then, between now and when Christ returns. Don't know every detail. Don't know how your life's going to go. I don't know the ups. I don't know the downs. Don't know it for me. <laughs> but I know for certain that darkness will be defeated. Like, without, without a doubt, I know darkness will be defeated. And so, John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Like, darkness will be defeated. And when John is, again, the same writer of John, the Gospel, writing John in Revelation, is digging for motifs and metaphors to describe, what is a new heaven, new earth reality? When God makes everything new, what's it going to be like? He says, in the city, the new city, the new Jerusalem, has no need of sun or moon or uh, to shine on it, for the glory, listen, glory of God is the light. The glory is the light. And its lamp is the Lamb. That one day Jesus overcomes all the uncertainty of darkness. Overcomes it all. Overcomes it all. So I don't know what's going to happen between now and then for you. I just know this. Darkness will lose us. And Christ wins. And one day darkness is no more. See, light brings life. Life is good. That's what the Bible says in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Now, this sounds a lot like a lot of people's story. There was darkness all over. Things seemed purposeless and meaningless. Like it wasn't, it wasn't going, it was, it was, nothing seems to, to be adding up. It doesn't seem like there's a plan or a purpose. And then the Holy Spirit shows up. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. The word in Hebrew here is tov. 
And God separated the light from the darkness. One of the things we learn in Genesis chapter 1 is the world was meant to be good. Good. And God saw everything that he had made in Genesis 1.31, and behold, it was very good. This is, this, is really, this is really hitting me right now in my personal life. Maybe this will ring to be true for you. People, churches, businesses strive for a lot of things. You can think about business mission statements, purpose statements, the things that organizations strive for. I'll just speak to the church. Churches strive for, for growing. Churches strive for impact. Churches strive for, for relevance. Churches strive for, for you know, effectiveness. But who's striving to be good? To be good. You know, Protestants have a hard time thinking about people and humanity being good. Because doesn't the Bible say all have turned aside, <laughs> they've all become worthless, no one does good, no, no one's righteous? Well, goodness, listen, goodness is the fruit of God's Spirit who's forming us into the image of Jesus. Goodness, as a quality, goodness. It's been my observation, maybe yours too, that as you look around the world today, sometimes it can be hard to find the good. Sometimes it's hard to identify goodness in people. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against those things there is no law. Goodness. Goodness. God made us to be good, like He is, to be good. What the Holy Spirit's doing when He comes inside of us, as you become a Christian, you become a recipient of the Holy Spirit, is He's redeeming your imago Dei. He's redeeming the image of God in you. He's forming you into something good. You see, the glorious light of God, the glorious light of God is inseparable from God's goodness and even God's very name. So the angels show up, the glory of God shines, right? It's a light, it shines. All around them, the glory shines. So what is that light? What is that glory? How do you describe it? Well, there's a scene in Exodus 33. Moses says to God, please show me your glory. And so God's going to show Moses' glory, sort of. He's going to have to cover him up. Listen to what the passage says. God says, I will make my goodness. You know what my glory? You know what my light looks like? You know what it represents? It's my goodness. I will make all of my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And so, God, so Moses says, I want to see your glory. He goes, there's this glorious light that causes the shepherds to be afraid. He goes, I want to see your glory. I've been reading this book, and it's a powerful book. I'm telling you, it is a game-changing book. It's the church called Tov. The word Tov in Hebrew is the word for good. The subtitle of the book is Forming a Goodness Culture that Resists Abuses of Power and Promotes Healing. And one of the things that 
Scott McKnight and his wife Laura do is they look at church abuse stories. And they ask the question, how do you create an environment that is good, a culture of goodness? This is what Scott McKnight and Laura McKnight write. They say, when God chose to reveal his glory to Moses, he hid him in the crack and in a crag on Mount Sinai. And when God's tove, his goodness, passed by Moses, the palm of God's hand protected Moses from being undone by the sheer intensity of God's glory. As God's tove, his goodness, passed by, he announced his name, Yahweh. Thus God's tove, his goodness, became inextricably connected to his name. That's how vital tove is in the Bible. God is tove, and God does tove, and tove is God's design for all of creation. He shapes everything for goodness. So this brings us back to the passage we're studying today in John 1. You see, the light of Christ is the glorious goodness of God on display. I'm not talented enough a communicator to make this next passage all you and strike you like it should. But like, just, just, take, just keep in mind what you now know. That God's glory, His light, is His goodness that He could not show to Moses unless it would, if He did, it would destroy Him. Okay? Keep that in mind. When you read John 1.14, and the Word, that's Jesus, became flesh, a baby in the manger, dwelt among us, He lived among us, and we have seen His glory. Reading that with everything you know about the glory of God, Holy Spirit, reveal it to us, should, should throw us into a wow moment. We've, we've seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This should be like, what? Like, we've seen it. Moses couldn't see it. He died, but we've seen it in Jesus. No one has ever seen God, John 1.18. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. What? What does this mean? When you read about the healing, loving, forgiving Jesus in the Bible, you are reading about the bright light of God's glorious goodness. You're seeing His glory on display. That's who He is. So listen, if you are in need of healing, Jesus is here for you. It's His glory, it's His goodness. He's a healing God, He's the great physician. Are you in need of love? Jesus is here for you. He's the God who dwells among us. He he is a gift to us. He is God with us. Are you in need of forgiveness? Jesus is here for you. He died for sinners, and sinners and tax collectors wanted to be near Him. See, Jesus is here for you. Why? Because He's good. The Christian message isn't that you were saved because you are good. You're saved because He is good. He's good. It's it's, it's His quality. It's good. And the thing that we were... (laughs) Moses couldn't get near it, but Jesus made it possible for us to come near it. His goodness. And if you follow Jesus, He is sent you into the world with his goodness. And Jesus speaking to his disciples in John 20, 21 says, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you, I'm sending you out. 
with my goodness. Now, we have, we have, we've been sent to two types of people. Now, this is something that pastors do. We just sort of narrow down things to simplistic sort of places. But I'm, I'm going to say two people. You could probably put all kinds of categories here, but I think we're called to at least two people in the world. One is those blinded by darkness. Those blinded by darkness. This may have caught your attention when you're reading John 1, 6 to 8 today, but listen to it again. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the baptizer, not John the writer of the gospel. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Here's what's curious about this passage to me. No one in your entire living history has ever borne witness to the fact that lights are on in the room. Like nobody. Because light is self-evident. Like, isn't this interesting that he's like, John's come to bear witness to the lights. Not like, I mean, no one has ever walked in the room, turned the lights on, and said, behold, I bear witness, the lights are on. Like, you don't do that because light is self-evident. You only have to bear witness to the light if your audience is blind. And John says, I've come to open the eyes of a, of a people blinded by darkness so they might see the light. See, our witness is a combination of our walk and our words. That's how we, that's how we bear witness, withdrawn to Jesus. It's a combination of our walk and our words. And so when Paul's talking to Ephesians 5, 8, what does he say? He says, walk as children of the light. What's the light? It's God's glory shining in the world. It's his goodness. The thing he hid Moses in the rock to protect him from seeing all of it. In 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so we walk as children of the light, doing good things and living the good news message in the world, calling attention to our good news message that we, that we love and embrace, the good news of Jesus Christ who lived for us, died for us, was buried for us, rose again, conquered our sin and death. He's called us into his kingdom, allowed us to be children of God. We, we, we put it on display, we walk as children of light, but we also proclaim it. We witness to it. We say, this is, this is who he is. So we've been sent to two types of people. Those who have been blinded by darkness were called to be witnesses. And those who have been hurt by darkness. Now, Scott McKnight's book pointed this out to me, and I'd never seen it before. And this, these are one of those things that just kind of like you read it and you go, why have I never paid attention to this before? It's in Matthew chapter 9. And, and I want you to listen to the hurting. And I want you to ask yourself as you're listening to it, how have they been hurt? And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, putting the reign and rule of God on display for the world to see, and healing every disease and every affliction. So people are out there sick and hurting, and Jesus is healing. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Why? Who are the crowds? People needing healing. People who are hurting. 
He had compassion for them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Who's doing the harassing? Religious people. Religious people are doing the harassing of people who are sick and in need and looking for the great physician to bring about the healing. And they're hurt by religious people. And they're wandering around like sheep without a shepherd. Then Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What struck me is I've always read verses 37 and 38 as simply a calling to reach people who are just lost in the world, but I had never seen Jesus showing compassion on those who had been hurt by religion. Lawrence Scott McKnight right, because they were, they were, there are so many wounded, Jesus says, we need a host of wounded healers. In other words, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you have been commissioned not to see and to hear and to believe the wounded, but not only to, but to also care for them, to bind up their wounds, and to heal their afflictions. This has been my observation I'm not sure if it's yours, but it's been my observation. I've been looking at the world that we're living in. That there are many hurting people because of religion. And they're wandering around like sheep without a shepherd. And there's a lot of people just don't, they just don't know if church is a place for them, but they're not yet ready to give up on Jesus. Or maybe they're seeking healing, but for some reason there's been an obstacle to receiving that healing and somehow religion's been the obstacle. I, just, I, I want you to know that at New City we say we're imperfect people, being courageous, believe in the power of Jesus, make all things new, underscore, highlight, put it in bold, imperfect people. In no way am I saying that New City's an imperfect place, but if you've been hurt by religion, I hope that you'll find a place here. You don't have to wander around like sheep without a shepherd. You see, a good person, a person living a light of the glory of God, a good person sees those who are blind in the world, sees those who are hurting in the world, and, he, and, and, and she cares for them. He cares for them. Looking for who to care for, who's blind, who's hurting. And this, is, this connects to our joy. You see, our joy is bound to God's goodness. We, we, we receive His grace, we give His grace, we receive His grace, we give His grace. We receive His goodness, we give His goodness. And when, when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. Our joy is bound to God's goodness. He opened our eyes and removed our uncertainty. Let us see. He heals our hurts, He gives us new life, overcomes our sin overcomes death, the penalty of sin, gives us life. So living joy, my friends, the calling to live joy in this message today is this. Living joy is putting on display, and I should add, proclaiming from the rooftops everything you know about the, the brightness and the of, our, of our God. So it's, it's living joy is putting on display in the brightest way possible 
the goodness of God in everyday life. Just drawing attention to his goodness. He's good. He's good. We usually lay the plane every week at a couple spots. One is decision. And if you're not a Christian, I'd, I'd love for you to just say to Jesus, man, if you'll have me, I'm here. And he'll have you. But if you're like one of those who have been hurting by religion and you're just like trying to find a spot, you know, like I just want you to know Jesus is here for you too. And my hope is that New City, we never draw attention to any person on a platform, but we're always drawing attention to Jesus, the person who saves us from our sins. He gets our full focus and affection. That's why we put communion as center to our service, is when we break the bread, remember Christ's body broken for us, we take the cup, remember his, his blood shed for us, we receive his goodness by his wounds, we are healed. We celebrate that he is good, and then we respond with generosity because that's what good people do. And so you can give this week, a box in the back if you're in person online, you can text to give, you can give uh, in lots of different ways, you can give online through our website. We'd love for you to practice generosity with us, and certainly love for you to pray. If you're online, you can pray with a prayer counselor. If you're here, I'll be in the back and be available to pray with you. Each message in this series, we've been trying to draw attention to a ministry partner living the message. A ministry partner living the message of hope, a ministry partner living the message of peace. And so it was a no-brainer for me to choose Hannah, who works with Juntos, a neighborhood ministry here in Albuquerque, to say, uh, hey, could you be our ministry partner who talks to us about living joy? Hannah does a great work in the International District with Juntos. I want you to hear a little bit from her. Hi, my name is Hannah Town. Um, I help run a children's leadership um, ministry called Juntos down in the International District. I think often when you have lived under the weight of poverty, when you have experienced loss of brokenness, um, there's this stripping of dignity that happens. Um, and so what I get to be a part of is the idea of restoring dignity, reminding um, our community and the people within it that they have God-given talents and gifts, that they were made with purpose, and that honestly that they were made in the image of God. And so what I'm a part of is the restoration of dignity in the lives of the families in the International District. Yeah, so I think oftentimes in the kind of work we do or working in a neighborhood with families, um, people have the assumption that we are bringing Jesus to the neighborhood. But I got firsthand experience of getting to see God already at work in the neighborhood, and I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to join in what God was already doing and rebuilding and restoring families, uh, broken communities, um, kind of the whole thing. And so I kind of just wanted to be a part of that.
So this concept of joy, what actually comes to mind is that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it's funny because for some reason I just feel like I keep coming back to um, this this idea that like joy comes from dependence on the Lord. Joy comes from casting all of my cares on Him so then that I begin to live out of this freedom that is found in dependence on the Lord. And then from that freedom comes joy. Like who doesn't love to be free? The feeling of the weight and the burdens just falling. Like who doesn't love that? And so joy to me really means freedom and dependence.